Morning Liberty. Hey there, what's up everybody? My name is Nate and this is Good Morning Liberty. No Charlie today. I'm just doing this all by my lonesome. He's out there visiting some clients in Louisville and having quite the busy day. But anyway, I want to tell you guys, once again, this is Good Morning Liberty and we need you to hit the subscribe button. Whatever you're listening on right now, there's probably a button. Look for it. It says subscribe. What that's going to do is it's going to bring our show directly to your phone without you having to worry about going and looking for it. You know, just save yourself some time. Go ahead and automate that. Don't don't worry about that anymore. But anyway, I wanted to talk about something that I see today trending in the news. And this is uh, this is Trump's. This guy's name is Ken. I believe it's Cuccinelli. Now, he is the acting director for United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. Had an interesting interview on, I believe it was NPR, and the person was asking him about the poem that goes along with the Statue of Liberty. This all stems from the new talk this week that if you are applying for a green card in the United States, it may be weighing on you in the future, from now on, whether or not they think that you're going to be receiving some kind of government assistance while you're in the country. And so now we're going down this road where you might not be able to get that green card if they think you're going to be taken from the system. So a lot of people upset about this. And I wanted to talk about something that uh, was said on this NPR interview in regards to the poem and just kind of the original ideas of the Statue of Liberty itself. Would you also agree that Emma Lazarus's words etched on the Statue of Liberty, give me your tired, your poor, are also part of the American ethos? Uh, they certainly are. Give me your tired and your poor who can stand on their own two feet and who will not become a public charge. Okay, so a lot of people upset about the fact that he kind of revised the, the end of that poem. Uh, I, one of those people today... I will say it was, I believe it was James Comey actually tweeted the entire poem. So it actually says, Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. All right, so quite different from what he said, where basically... Yeah, give us the people as long as they are able to stand on their own two feet. I wanted to maybe draw some, I don't know, there, there's there's a bit of a misconception with that original poem that people are using. You know, when the Statue of Liberty was put up, when it was put up, we weren't taxing away people's income and then giving it to other people. That That was not a thing. So I really don't like that the idea of America, like this person on on NPR, which, you know, God bless you if you listen to NPR and you're not going to fall asleep while you're driving. I, I really, you know, I really do care for you. They need people like that for sure over there. But uh, it, this, what this person on NPR was talking about was the American ethos and this idea that we are supposed to accept the people that are in the worst condition and you're supposed to go to America. And now this, this other idea has kind of been, uh, I guess, written into that by people on the left 
that they're supposed to come here and then our rich people are supposed to be taxed and their money is supposed to go to those people. And that's not exactly the idea. I, I don't think it's the idea at all. The idea behind that poem, the idea behind the Statue of Liberty is, yes, you you should come to America, and we do want to accept everyone, whatever your terrible condition is that you're escaping when you come here. Absolutely. Whatever, whatever terrible, horrendous country it is that you're coming from, absolutely. Come to America. But you don't come to America because America is going to give you something, because we're going to take money away from some of the people in America and then give it to you. That's, that's not why people come to America. I don't believe that's why people come to America right now. I do think some people come here, uh, you know, across the southern border seeking emergency rooms, things like that. But to me, that's not the reason that you would come to America. The reason you come here and the reason I think what that poem was talking about and the idea behind the Statue of Liberty is that America is a place where your full potential can be reached. America is a place where if you are in a terrible condition in one country, if you're living under terrible government rule that has made your life a living hell, if you're living in a place that's like this, if you're homeless, if you're going to be homeless, if anything, come to America because in America... You can be whoever you want to be if you work hard enough to achieve that. To me, that's the idea behind the Statue of Liberty. This, this weird notion now that what that poem actually means or what the Statue of Liberty actually means is that people who are poor and who can't make it should come here and then we should take care of them. I don't think that that's really the idea at all. And now I'm not saying that people shouldn't be taken taken care of. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. The one thing I would say is that the government, if you're looking to help people, if you're looking for people's lives to get better, if you want to give them a better situation to live in, if you truly care about people who need help, then the federal government is the absolute last entity that you would want to go to ever, ever on the planet to achieve that goal. Because nothing they do goes very well at all. They do a bad job at everything except for dropping really impressive bombs across the world in different countries. That's about the only thing that they do a good job at. Now, if you want to help people, if you want to help people, to me, you would do a couple things. We've always looked at churches as places that are good for charity. Now, we've got a lot of other charitable organizations. We've got places like the Salvation Army and Goodwill. Uh, we've, we've got all kinds of great things. You know, the United States is still the most charitable nation. Even after we're fleeced for $3.5 trillion every year, we still give away another $400 billion voluntarily to charity. We still give that away. So I don't think anyone's making the argument that no one should help people. But I will strongly make the case that you do not help people by entrusting that responsibility 
with the federal government. They're terribly inefficient. They take forever to do anything. They are the worst people for allocating resources on the planet. And I think they're really, I think they're really designed that way. Uh, to me, to me, it's dangerous to think that. It's it's dangerous to look to the federal government as someone who should be entrusted with the responsibility for doing anything, for healthcare, for for charity, for making sure people have food, making sure they have places to live, making sure they have education. Our system of government was not set up for that at all. I think I think purposefully. You know, the the guys who set this thing up uh, as as young as they were uh, and as new of an idea as this was, they they were pretty they were pretty dang smart when they set it up. You see, our government is not set up to do all of those things. It's not set up to base your life off of. We have new representation every two years, every four years, every six years in this country. New representatives every two, new presidential election every four, new senator election every six. We're constantly changing out pieces of the government. I don't understand how if you really, if you truly care about helping people, if that really is your goal, how you would ever think it's a safe bet to look to the government to do that. Because as I say about everything, when it comes to economics or anything else involving the government, gun control, you name it, we don't know who's going to be in control of the government. See, all of these ideas, if you think about people like, people who support Bernie Sanders, we'll just, we'll use him. We got a website called BernieLies.com, so let's use that. See, the people who support Bernie Sanders, they're making a really, really big bet. Really big. Because they're saying the government should take care of all of these things. The government should be entrusted with health care for the country. They should be entrusted with education for the whole country. They should, be in, they should have the responsibility to do all of these things. Yet they don't even know who's going to be in control of the government next year. It's the same thing with Republicans who, you know, they're starting to back down a little bit on some Second Amendment support because they like Trump so much. Trump's talking about red flag laws. They've done the banning of bump stocks and talked about the suppressors, all those kinds of things. They, they're forgetting the fact that once you start giving the government some type of responsibility, no one's ever going to get it back, first off. But then, second, you don't know who's going to be in control of the government next year. A Trump supporter thinking that the government should be entrusted with red flag laws for gun ownership is making the assumption that we're just going to have perfect angels running our society for the rest, for the rest of forever, when, in fact, you don't even know if Trump's going to win re-election. What if you back down and you support some kind of a national red flag legislation— taking apart the Second Amendment and due process, you support some kind of legislation like that, and then Kamala Harris gets elected president next year. How dangerous is that if you're some kind of Second Amendment supporter? Same thing if you're a Bernie supporter and you support the government taking over health care. What if you get rid of all the private insurance and the government is entrusted with paying for health care, and then 
something terrible happens, like a stock market crash? What if people stop using the United States dollar as the reserve currency around the world? What if someday people call us on all of our debts that we have? What if we have such rampant inflation that we can no longer afford to pay for all of these services? It's a really scary thing to think about, but you entrust the government with education for children and health care for everyone, and then someday they can't provide that? Or we get another president, this is what will more likely happen, you get, you'll get your Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren in power, and then they'll have four to eight years, and then someone else is going to get in power after that, and they're going to start backing down all those laws. But now you've got a bunch of people that are dependent on this. See how dangerous this is to entrust this to the government? Something as vital as health care? Something as vital as food or education? It really, it really can't be done. So that I'll say the same thing to Trump supporters. With the wall. I've said this before and pe- people didn't like it that much, but there's not going to be a wall. This is how inefficient and ineffective the government is. The size and scope of that project. How many have you ever seen the government put in a new a new bridge or a new off ramp on the interstate? Do you remember how long it took for them to do that? How big was that? How big was it? Maybe a maybe a quarter mile, maybe like a tenth of a mile of concrete and asphalt? How long do you think it's actually going to take them to build this wall? How many people are going to have to be there? How many years is that project going to span? It's the government we're talking about here. They're not going to do it very well. Because they don't do anything very well at all. They're not supposed to. That was the idea. And what will happen with the wall, even if you you pass some kind of funding for it, some kind of law, He's not going to do it before the election, so it comes after the election. It's the government building a project, so they're going to make it take as long as possible, and they're going to blow the budget out by about 10 times what they say it's going to cost. They'll have to keep fighting over funding for it. We'll keep getting new presidents, new representatives, new senators in all the time. They'll keep taking away the funding. They'll keep blocking funding. A new president's going to get in and reverse the wall. There's going to be this election cycle, year in, year out, talking about finish the wall or tear down the wall. And that's what they're going to be talking about. I think we're going to be seeing this for maybe the rest of my life before this thing actually gets completed. Because that's the nature of our government, and it's supposed to be that way. Don't forget, it's supposed to be that our government is not supposed to do any of these things. They're not supposed to do a major project like this. They're not supposed to take over health care. They're not supposed to make sure that everyone has food or housing or education. Our system is not built that way. We've got a new, new people changed out every couple of years. You cannot build a long-term economic system off of an administration that's changing hands every two, four, six years. It just doesn't work. So think about how dangerous this is that we tell people that they should be reliant on the government, that if you don't have something, then 
don't worry, they're going to provide it for you. It's pretty dangerous. You know, one of the things that we argue here is a move back towards personal responsibility. Uh, If there's, for some reason, some things that you think people have that you want, or maybe they have too much and you have too little, then go out and fix it. But you don't fix it by making sure that you get the right congressman in to take something from those people so you can have it. That's not what you want to do. That's not what you should want to do. You go out and fix it by making yourself more valuable, by living below your means, whatever those means are, until a time that you can pick yourself up and live the life that you know you should be living. But you don't do it by taking it from other people. Money is not a finite resource. It's not a fixed pie. It grows all the time. We have kind of a misconception that there's a set amount, and if one person has it, then you can't have it. That's not the case at all. New money is created all the time. So go out there and create some new money. But back to the immigration thing. This idea, this idea that that poem or that statue says that people should come here and then we have to force people to take care of them by taking money from them. That is that was not the idea at all. Now, partially what he says is that it should come here and then if you can stand on your own two feet and take care of yourself, basically. No. Nope. I don't I don't think you should only come here if you're at that point, but I definitely don't think that you should come here and plan on living off the backs of other people. I don't think that that's a good idea whatsoever. I don't think it's helpful for those people whatsoever. Have you ever had a friend or a loved one that was in some kind of a, you know, they were maybe going down a bad path. They Maybe they were doing something wrong and they were trying to change it. They were trying to make themselves better. They were trying to make their lives better. Now, if you got someone who's trying to lose weight, maybe they got this addiction where they just eat a whole package of Oreos every day, and they're ballooning up to 400 pounds, and their blood pressure's terrible, their triglycerides are terrible, and you don't want them to, you want them to be around a little bit longer, and they want to be around a little bit longer, so they want to fix that. And they're going through a tough time trying to cut this trying to cut this whole Oreo addiction that they've got going on. I know this is a ridiculous example. So you can either be, what do you think is more helpful? First off, that person's in that tough situation. What do you think is more helpful? The person who sets up an environment where they can freely choose what they're doing, where they can work out, where they can not eat the Oreos anymore, where they can better themselves and become more productive and start losing weight and lead a healthier life and make sure that there's no barriers to that whatsoever. Let's make sure that there's no arbitrary, artificial barriers to that happening. Okay, let's not tax them every time they lose a pound or anything like that. Or do you think it's just best that we pass some kind of legislation saying that that person could have as many Oreos as they want forever and make sure that they're supplied. I don't think that that's a very good idea at all. That's kind of what we do. That's kind of what we do through the government with economics. We have people that are in a bad situation. And it's true they're in a bad situation. I get it. I get it. Trust me, I get it. But you further that 
by creating an environment where no one ever really has to rise above that, where they have everything kind of guaranteed to them. They've got their housing. They've got their food. They've got enough money to, to live on. They've got their free education. They've got their health care taken care of. So really, there's never any incentive to rise above that. That's a pretty terrible prescription for our entire country, if you ask me. I don't think it's good to build an entire society off of, in, off of an incentive structure that says that if you end up not being productive enough to have all the things that you want, then that's okay. We'll just give them to you anyway. That's not a very good incentive. That's not a good incentive structure at all. Like I said, I'm, I'm definitely for helping people who need help. I think everyone should come together and donate on places like GoFundMe and your Salvation Army, different charity organizations that you can find, whatever it is that you care about. Like I said, we're still the most charitable country, even after we get $3.5 million stolen from us against our, without our consent. So I definitely think that we should come, come around and, and help people when they need it. But we have to realize that capitalism, free market capitalism, is that help. It is that route for people to make their lives better. Because there's one where you have a planned economy, and we say we're going to set up everything where you have all of these things and you never have to worry about it. And we've seen this in other countries throughout history where they set up this system and then you end up having a, a lot, lot worse situations, living situations for those people. Everyone's equal. They're all equal, equally miserable and poor. But everyone's equal. So yay for them. Well, we set up this capitalist structure where you can trade value for value. That's really all it is. I mean, you can use, to me, it's not any different than a, a bartering system where uh, you grow produce and there is a doctor in town that needs some food and you need some healthcare services. All you're really doing in that situation is the doctor is providing something that they can provide and, and receiving something that they value more than that time. And then the farmer is providing what they can provide, and they're receiving something more than what they value the food that they're trading. That's really all capitalism is. It's just trading value for value. We've just taken those two people, and we've attached money to the situation. Money is just a representation of value. That's all it is. It makes it all of this transacting easier. Because if you're a farmer... It's really hard to carry around a bushel of corn or a truckload of corn uh, to the grocery store and trade for things that maybe you're not growing or take it to the clothing store and trade with the store some clothing and, and, and do all of this. It would get really messy and you'd, you'd end up spilling a lot of corn. It just wouldn't be that great of an idea. But you get the point. We've taken money where someone can purchase all of the farmer's goods in exchange for some money. And then they can take that money and trade with whatever it is they, they deem more valuable than that money. That was a representation of their produce that they grew. That's all this is. It gets some kind of an evil stigma attached to it. 
but money is just a representation of value that you've created. And if you don't like how much of a representation of value that you've created, then you need to find a way to create some more value. Now, this doesn't work very well if you are someone who works for the government and is not paid based on your value. You're paid based on your time served. There's a nice little public versus private lesson for you right there. In the private market, you're paid based on the value that you are providing. In the public market, such as education, you are actually just paid based on the amount of time you've been there. There's no value attached to it whatsoever. It just says, okay, this many years, okay, this much money. So then, this doesn't go for everyone. Then, there's no real, there's no incentive to get more and more valuable because your pay scale is just going to move up with more and more years. Why would you increase your skills? You don't need to. You got more years. You see this all the time with teachers in our education system. Why do you think we spend more money than every other country besides Switzerland per student and we're ranked like 25th in everything? It's because there's no incentive structure in our education system at all. The teachers don't need to get better. There's no such thing as holding back a student anymore. Jeez, ask my, uh, trust me, I know. There's no such thing as holding back a student. You know, when I was in, when I was in elementary school, if you did a bad job in those classes, you got held back until you were doing better and you were actually able to move through. That's not a thing anymore. Their goal is to attach a high school diploma to everyone and get them out of their way. That's it. That's their entire goal. They do not care if they can read or write. That's public versus private for you right there. That kind of goes along with this idea that we're entrusting all of this responsibility on the government. What if in the 70s, when the Department of Education was formed, what if this was a good idea? What if whoever was in charge at that point in time, what if they really were going to do a good job on education? And it was the best option at that time. Well, guess what? It's not the best option anymore. You should take that into consideration with anything else that you think the government should take charge of. Because whoever was the best option in the late 60s or 70s when the Department of Education was enacted, uh, they're not doing that job anymore at all. Those people aren't there anymore. We've moved on. Those people have moved on. There's a whole new batch of people in there screwing everything up now. And that's going to be the case with every other thing that you think the government should have control over all the time. You do not know what kind of crazy people are going to be in control of any of these systems, any of these departments later in your life, 20, 30 years from now. No telling. So how can you trust that they're going to be doing a good job? It's a good thing with capitalism. You don't have to have this trust that 30 years from now, Walmart's going to be doing a good job making sure that you can buy food. Because if they're not doing a good job, then you can go to someone else. And someone else will be there as long as there hasn't been too many artificial barriers put in the way of anyone who wants to create a business by that time. It's a good thing about our system. How do you know that Amazon's going to be providing you with the things that you're ordering from Amazon right now? You don't. But if they're not doing it, someone else will be. 
for Amazon to still be doing this 30 years from now, they're going to have to make sure that they are making everyone as happy as possible. Can you say the same thing about the government? Ever. Is that the government's goal? To make sure that as many people are as happy as possible because if you don't like what they're providing you, you're going to go to someone else. No. That is not the case with the government at all. You cannot go to anyone else. In capitalism, a business only makes money. Free market capitalism, a business only makes money if you value what they're providing. You freely give them money. If no one values what they're providing, then they don't, then they don't exist anymore. Is that the case with the government? No. It is not the case with the government. They take your money without your permission, and then they say, we're going to provide you a service with no guarantee of that service being any good whatsoever. At all. It's not safe. So this idea that the Statue of Liberty meant that if you were in a terrible situation, you needed to come to the United States because we were going to take money from those who had money and give it to those who didn't is ridiculous. That was not the idea behind it at all. The idea of America was that you could come here and you could put your best foot forward and achieve the highest potential good that you could achieve. That's the idea. It is not that you could come here and live off the backs of others. That's all I'm going to do today, guys. Charlie was not here. I did not plan on talking whatsoever. Got to tell you the truth, literally had no clue what I was going to talk about when I hit record. So, here we go. Uh, you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the show. We appreciate all you guys that have done this. Go to Facebook, search Good Morning Liberty. Go to Instagram, search at Good Morning Liberty. Twitter, at Good AM Liberty. If you guys want some Liberty merch, we have shirts that say Taxation and Theft. We have shirts that say Shall Not Be Infringed. We have shirts that... Uh, Oh, what else do we have that they say? I have a shirt that just says capitalism is greater than socialism. Pretty simple if you want a simplistic shirt. So anyway, head on over to goodmorningliberty.us slash shop and get you some of that good Liberty merch. If you guys do all those things, we'll be back here tomorrow doing this again for you. Have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.